Welcome listeners to another episode of Listen, Learn, and Love hosted by Richard Osler. My guest on today's podcast is my friend Ashley Smith joining us from Zoom. Welcome to the podcast, Ashley. Thank you so much. It's really a pleasure to be here with you today. Um, I became aware of Ashley when I read an article from LDS Living um, that was posted on the 2nd of June, 2022. The title of the article is How... What can you say when a family member comes out as gay? Seven ideas from a Latter-day Saint mom. And as I read this article, I thought this is a terrific article. And I wonder if I can get Ashley to come on the podcast to share this article. And she's agreed to be on the podcast. And our joint prayers, this will be helpful for you. If you're a parent of an LGBTQ child, if you're a local leader, if you are LGBTQ, that the insights, impressions, things Ashley share will help you. It's a terrific article. Um, Ashley, has a, Ashley is a, tell us a little bit about your station in life. Introduce your family to us. You're married and you've got some kids, so introduce your family to us. Oh, thanks. Yeah, so I am married to David Smith. He's a dentist here um, in Colorado, and um, I help him with his business. But probably my biggest calling, number one, is being a mom. Number two, uh, kind of in a similar role of caregiving is to my community. I serve as the mayor for Canyon City, Colorado. And that is really terrific. Um, just let's talk about that just for a little bit before we get in your article. Did you ever think you'd be mayor? Were you politically interested in sort of getting involved in the community in this way? Or is this kind of a curve and an unexpected thing that's coming to your life? Um, you know, I never thought that I would... And be mayor. I have been um, active in my community for most of my life, and and I do have a large family, six kids. And when the youngest went into school, you know, I, I had some extra time on my hands, and I and I love to be busy, you know, with good causes. And I needed something to fill my life, and so I started out. Um, there were some things locally that I was passionate about. Ended up. I'm running for city council, served on city council for four years, and then transitioned to mayor. And I'm now serving my second term. Um, it's been a, a pleasure. And it's also had its ups and downs. I mean, my my first months as mayor is when COVID hit. Wow. And so, I mean, you just, just jumped into it, you know, full throttle and taking care of our community and seeing us through some really tough times. Well, thank you for your service in your community. Um, tell our listeners where Canon is it Canon or Canyon City? It's Canyon, so it's N with an Enye, which is a little quirky for a community, but we sure think it's pretty endearing. It's one um, hour south of Colorado Springs, just at the foothills of the Rocky Mountains. You can see Pikes Peak, where America the Beautiful was written from the top of, from our community. It's also the home to the Royal Gorge region. It's a beautiful gorge that has the tallest suspension bridge in America. What a beautiful area. My wife and I have been to your area a little bit, and we love Colorado, and we love that beautiful mountain range. So thank you for joining us via Zoom. Listeners, will link to this article in the show notes. Um, I think this is a terrific article if you want a discussion, start a discussion in ward council or state council um, as a family for a family home evening or family discussion. Just a terrific article under the umbrella of how we can better support um, LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. So with that, I'm, uh, maybe you can just, I'll let you just kind of run with this, Ashley. You, you could just, there's seven ideas that I thought were all really terrific. 
you can just start to go through these ideas. You can give us more of a backstory on on your son coming out, or maybe that'll just come into these seven ideas. Well, I will start a little bit with my son coming out. Um, and running for mayor was probably a part of that story. As I was campaigning, I was meeting with a lot of community leaders, um, just having sitting down, having conversations, learning about things that were important to them. I was really surprised because this is a rural community, tends to be more conservative. And there was quite a number of um, openly LGBTQ community leaders that were amazing people. And (laughs) I was feeling a little bit of conflict inside. Like, here I am, you know, sharing a meal, having these conversations, and these people are amazing. But I'm told this is bad. You know, my culture is telling me that this is bad. Am I, you know, am I betraying something here? And just going through that process of realizing that this is, I'm just relating to people on a human to human level and respecting them for who they are and, and the amazing things that they do. And that doesn't compromise religion at all. Christ wants me to love everybody and see their value. (laughs) And that was huge. And probably um, during that time too, um, you know, I was raising my son, Kyle, he's 16 years old and you know, the thrills of teenagerhood. And shortly after um, I was elected and I was elected. And shortly after that, my husband was released as bishop and he was released as bishop because um, the state president felt like, you know, my calling, you know, our family's calling was me um, serving as a public servant and just kind of being there in the community in the eye of the community. And so that gave my husband ability to help support me and my family which he's been totally awesome. And so probably a combination between two of those things, Kyle came out as gay. And that was a pretty big deal for our family. (laughs) Definitely came from a very conservative family, pretty heavily steeped in church culture. Um, And so there's a really big learning process for us. And I had mentioned to you earlier, Richard, that Um, Part of that also being in a rural community that's pretty conservative, just a lot of loneliness, too, of where do I go that's safe to learn more about my son and what he's going through and what does this mean for our family and for him and keeping, you know, in our identity in the church. And finding a podcast like yours was really helpful in me being able to hear other people's stories get into other people's minds and experiences and gave me the words I needed and the conversation pieces that I needed to have really open conversations with Kyle. And we were able, we had this information private between our family as we processed through all this. He kind of came to the point where he just, he needed to be open about it. Um, He needed to be himself. And it wasn't a rebellious thing or a trendy thing. It's just that he knew since he was 11 years old that he was something was different about him and had been going through this and had been hurt a lot by our family and in church settings. And he just couldn't take that hurt anymore. And it was time to be him. And I'm so grateful he did. And it has totally changed our lives. Um, during that time when he did come out, we experienced, unfortunately, some really harsh um, things from people that were really close to us. Some, th- you know, some people were amazing, 
you know, and they were just like, you know, Kyle's news doesn't change anything. We still love him exactly the same as we did before. Um, a lot of people was still really uncomfortable conversations, definitely awkward, just didn't talk about it like it didn't exist. And then some things were just really, really tough and harsh that we experienced and just really felt a strong impression um, to write it down. And I am a writer. I, I do. I, with my experience in um, being involved in the community, I've, I've published a lot of newspapers about public commentaries and stuff. And so God gave me a clear impression to write it down and write. And in the beginning, it was what not to say to people who are gay, because I was hearing all of it. And my son was hearing all of it. And it wasn't helping us turn this into a positive situation for us. And, and then I, as I was writing this and processing, it was very cathartic for me to be able to put my feelings um, down and formulate them into words, but also gave an opportunity to really do some research, tons of research, lots of deep digging in ways that is positive and safe and in accordance to the teachings of our, of our church. I shared it with our stake president and said, you know, I'm thinking about maybe publishing this. I just want to, you know, I want your eyes to see this first, make sure I'm being doctrinally sound. And his biggest feedback to me was, you know what, Ashley, and bless his heart, what an amazing leader. I'm so lucky to have him for our stake president. It's like, I, because he had done his own research and he had been doing his reading. He's like, I've read a lot of stuff about what not to say to people who are LGBTQ, but what would you think about writing something about what you can or should say? And that was a real game changer. And that might be a good segue into some of those things. This is great. I love hearing more of the backstory. And I love that something about Kyle felt safe enough to open up to you in these teenage years. And so you could walk with him at that point versus sometimes later in their 20s. So yeah, keep, let, go right into this. And listeners, if you're hearing a little backfeed, maybe it's just me that's hearing it. It's It's on my mic. It's not on Ashley's. We'll just proceed and hopefully I'm the only one that's hearing it and you're not. So go ahead, Ashley. So one of the first things that we had on there was to ask to have them share their story with you. Um, We had a lot of people say, Kyle, you can get through this. You can get past this. And for him, (laughs) excuse me, in his experience, saying you can get through this, it felt more like you have something really wrong with you that you need to get rid of and you can get through getting rid of that thing so that you can, you know, that you can fit in as LDS. But what have been, what's way more helpful is to maybe ask things like, what does this feel like you? And what do you wish people knew about your identity and, and to listen to those stories. And, and it's the same thing. Like when I listen to the stories that of people who you have on your podcast that helped me understand their heart and where they're coming from, that there were good intentions and helped me relate to where he was and be on his level and open my heart to what he was, what I thought about being gay was not necessarily in accordance to reality. So 
And there's so many things and it's just not about being gay, but we can listen to so many people in our, in our faith community globally um, for people who are going through divorces or um, immigration or all any in all kinds of things or coming home from a mission early that the question of what does this feel like for you? What do you, what would, you know, what would you like me to know about this experience? Those kinds of questions are just so much more helpful to just sit there and listen and, and identify. Love that. Keep sharing. Is that point number one? Yes. Okay. Um, I love your point, Ashley, that this is not like something to get over. I think like we sometimes put this in the bucket of other things that are short-term experiences, something to overcome or solve, or sometimes we compare it to an addiction. And I think an addiction is something we try and it leads to a bad outcome. But Kyle having same-sex attraction or being gay isn't something he tried um, to become this way when it doesn't necessarily lead to a bad outcome. So that's something I've learned that sometimes as I've gotten more education, I realize just like you're saying that there's it isn't something to get through or something. It's in a different category stuff. It's who he is. Just like I'm right-handed and have blue eyes. It's who I am. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, and that was part of that learning process. Um, I mean, he, some of my adult kids got texts, tell your brother to stop, stop it, stop being gay, you know, and it just, it doesn't work like that. Kyle, did not want to be gay. He did not choose this path for himself. And as much as he did not want it to be that way, that's what it is for him. And I know everybody has a different story, but this is how it was for for Kyle and for so many others. That's a good one. Keep sharing. What's number two? The number two is you are an amazing person. And we had a conversation, Kyle and I talked a lot about this. Because when he, you know, came out, it was just almost like all consuming. I'm gay. I'm gay. I'm gay. What does this mean? And, and for me too, it was like, my son is gay. My son is gay. What do we do? What does this mean? It was going through this dance of, you know, what does this mean? And, and just coming to that realization that being Kyle identifying as gay, that's just one part of his complex city as a human being. And there are so many parts of who we are and being gay is just one of those things. Um, we tend to just really hyper-focus on the erotic or the romantic part of it. And so we got a lot of that, like, Hey, you know, as long as Kyle doesn't act on it, it's not a sin. And I'm like, he's, he's 16 year old kid. He, he's not in a relationship with anybody. He's not acting on anything. <laughs> he's just a kid being a teenager. Um, he um, started, he was a, for soccer, he was a freshman and he started on the soccer team. Um, and he, by the time he graduated, you know, he's selected to be on like the, you know, the state league. And he was elected head boy his senior year, which is like class president he started to help start a kindness campaign. He graduated with a 4.0 GPA. 
He's really into photography. He's been featured by a lot of um, influencers on social media. I mean, he just does all these awesome, cool things. And there's just one part of him that he also just so happens to be gay too. And so he's this big package of a person. And, um, and I think it's good to recognize that whole package and not just hyper-focus on that one thing of romantic, potential romantic relationships. That's really thoughtful. And I love where you talked about what, you know, all the things that he did, has done in high school and what he'll continue to do in his life. Um, sort of navigating the complexity of his sexuality and how that fits in. And it's really remarkable. He's a 4.0 student, what he did in soccer, this gift of photography. I love the idea of a kindness campaign. This is a remarkable young man um, who's accomplishing much. And I love that that's a key point um, of the article is just this is a terrific young man. Um, and there's just one part of who he is. And, we, and, and I love the way you put it in perspective. I'm going to circle back to, if it's okay, to point number one a little bit, because there was some stuff in the article um, that you wrote, and maybe you can talk about this. Church web, will you teach, in case listeners aren't aware, um, what does the church teach about Kyle's, is it teach it'll go away? There's a formula for Kyle to become ungay. What does the church teach about sexual orientation and that potentially changing? Um, yeah, so I really tried on this article to just exclusively quote from the Church of Jesus Christ um, website, um, because that's something that I know is fully endorsed by our church leaders. And, <laughs> and that, you know, that that's the word that's out there right now. And so on that website, which, by the way, for I think. In my personal experiences, if anyone who is wondering, you know, what the position of the church is or what is, you know, where we are at with this issue is to spend some time on the webs, the church's website. And in um, some of our experiences, you know, with some of our church leaders and the interactions that I, in conversations I had with them, just feeling like if you could at least just read the church's website on this, this would be really helpful to our conversation. And, um, and I'll quote from it as far as, um, you know, if you can choose this or not choose it or get rid of it. And the website answers the question, if I'm faithful enough, will my same-sex attraction go away? And the response says, the intensity of same-sex attraction is not a measure of your faithfulness. Many people pray for years and do all they can to be obedient in an effort to reduce same-sex attraction, yet find they are still attracted to the same sex. The change in attraction should not be expected or demanded as an outcome by parents or leaders. And for me, listeners, that is, a, in my lifetime, that's a significant statement. Because instead of putting all the responsibility back on the person experiencing same-sex attraction, you did something, and you can kind of undo this, and it's on you. Um, to me, it shifts the whole focus onto the rest of the body of Christ and families to create belonging, support, understanding, stories like you shared earlier. Um, and so that, to me, is a big difference, is just um, where the church is on this topic. And you're right, a lot of I didn't know this <laughs> when I was called to be in my YSA assignment. I preached the responsibility for a couple of gay men, and 
I think that's one of the beauties of your article is it helps us understand what the church is teaching that perhaps we didn't weren't as clear about earlier. Any more thoughts about that statement? Um, I think, I think, um, kind of like with you, this is, this is, this is changing and this has been part of my, my testimony over the past few years is that this truly is a living gospel and what we knew and understood about a lot of different things has changed and progressed and that the living gospel can recognize that and improve our ability to love human beings and to be better caretakers of God's children. And, and that's a pretty big deal for um, us. And, and, and I'm so grateful for that and knowing that it's, this is a living gospel, but also recognize that through this experience that I've learned from a lot of people that that's also really hard to understand. Maybe some grace that of that need to adhere to what maybe prophets had said in the fifties or the sixties and that they were true prophets in their time. And that was what they knew best at that time, but we're learning and we're growing and what's on the church's website today is Trump's what was said before. And, and that's, that's doctrine. And I agree with what you say. When we know better, we do better. And it's a living, ongoing restoration. And I liken it sometimes to a chap, a book chapter. We're just making progress in this space. We're writing new chapters and we're continuing to understand. One of the things in this first thing, you quoted some things which I thought were good that were, um, were difficult and not helpful for you. And I think it's okay. I like that this is part of your article um, I'll read one here. One friend said, I feel I should bear my testimony to you. The proclamation of family is true. Um, kind of elaborate on that and why that, how you felt about that. Um, I guess my knee-jerk reaction was, I believe it's true too. <laughs> I'm still there. I believe in eternal marriage between a man and a woman and, and the... I'm a believer and, and just, it was interesting just that the fact that I had a gay child, it, it felt threatening. It felt threatening to um, people that were around me, like um, that I was going to challenge the beliefs or things like, Oh no, we're going to are we going to lose you too, Ashley? Are you going to leave the church too now? And um, and among a myriad of other things. Um, and yeah, it was, it was tough. And I'm glad you're honest about that. And I'm with Ashley. I mean, we have, I believe in the proclamation of the family. I believe marriage is between a man and a woman. But it doesn't really explain how Kyle navigates his life. In some ways, unless he feels like his path is to marry a woman and be in a mixed orientation marriage, it doesn't really say how to live his life as a gay celibate Latter-day Saint. It kind of reminds him potentially of what's not possible in his life and can be triggering. So I hold both of those spaces in my mind. I support the proclamation of the family, but I recognize it doesn't answer um, 
exactly how Kyle navigates his future and you as a parent navigate his future for him. So I think sometimes we do word association where we think, I think of Colorado and mountains come to my mind, Ashley, and snow comes to my mind. And um, I think sometimes we just think gay Latter-day Saint and we think proclamation of the family, that sort of answers all the questions. We can check that box and move on. And I think as we step in the space, and obviously you're in this space to recognize there's just more nuance and more complexity than just pointing the proclamation of the family to answer Kyle's future. Are you okay with that? Or do you want to add or subtract anything I said? No, no, I, I, I agree. And, and I just remember, you know, being in church and maybe there was a, you know, something came up in the news that would have to do with LGBT, LGBTQ um, topic. And then, you know, the next Sunday at Sunday school, you know, someone, I bear testimony that we've got to stand up for the proclamation of the family. We can't stand back any longer. We got to get up and fight for this. And just sitting in the audience thinking, yeah. But like you said, it's not saying how to navigate for our members who want to be faithful Latter-day Saints and they're choosing compassion, they're choosing faith in God but they're not choosing their sexual orientation and comments like that. It is more like a weapon. It's like a dagger in your heart. And um, cause it doesn't ad- address these kiddos. And it's not just for, you know, those that are gay or when, you know, wondering how they identify as male or female, but I mean, so many of our families, aren't fitting into the proclamation of the family today. It's just a tough world that we're living in. And very few of us have the ability to live up to this proclamation to its fullest, but it's definitely an ideal that we love and hope and are striving for. But there's a lot of tenderness that needs to be walked through with it. I love that word tenderness, Ashley. And I love the reality that it you know, that not everybody can fit that norm or that ideal or that possibility. And I'm sensing our leaders are talking more about the majority of the members of the church are not married. Um, We've had a couple of conference talks mention that fact. And so I think we just build more understanding and more support, more belonging and recognize that people have different roads they're walking with in their lives. Listeners, I won't take time to read this, but Ashley in the article talks about some Difficult things like um, decades-old books that were door, doorbell ditched <laughs> um, with underlined sections about different topics that this is why Kyle's experiencing this. And um, I think I'm sensing that was kind of painful, but I think acknowledging in this article the things that are painful creates a discussion on what we can do better and what not to do. And when we know better, we do better. So I'm glad that you mentioned some things that weren't helpful. I wish I'd read your article, you know, five or eight years ago, because I probably would have done some of these same things. So well, thank you for I that. I know I did some bad things too. <laughs> I, had, I, I definitely had a lot of learning too. And the, those people that, you know, the dear people that did some of those things, they really thought that they were being helpful. And, and I will say that the most helpful is when people ask honest questions, instead of just trying to say, here you go, here's, you know, here's something, you know, 
to help get over pornography and masturbation. And I'm, you know, it's too bad Kyle's not worthy to bless the sacrament anymore. Yeah. You know, like, well, Kyle, pornography and masturbation have nothing to do with Kyle being gay. Um, being gay does not mean he's not worthy to take the sacrament. And it's just, and, and to challenge that was very upsetting for them. They thought, well, I understand this is what it is. And, but on the other spectrum, when people say, well, help me understand this. Those were the conversations where we were <laughs> really able to talk through it and have give and take and dialogue. And so appreciated those conversations because it helped me understand things better too um, and have stronger relationships when we could have those conversations and not just have it just kind of shoved in your, your throat. I love that. And I love just the curiosity to ask questions and hear your story versus sort of hear a topic and then sort of go into our speech about that topic. And I love Elder Uchtdorf's comment about how often as the Holy Spirit tried to tell us something we needed to know, but we couldn't get past the massive iron gate of what we thought we already knew. And I think both Ashley and I would invite us all to be willing to be open to further learning in this space in our own lives and be willing to set aside things that we've concluded that may not be correct and may be adding to somebody's burden. I don't think any Latter-day Saint would want to add to the Smith's family burden as Kyle comes out. I don't think that's an intent, but sometimes our uninformed opinions do add to people's burdens. And because, and so we just need to do better. Um, so thank you. I, pornography to me is, and I've talked about in this book, is a window into someone's sexual orientation versus something that changes someone's sexual orientation. So I think that's kind of back. We want to put this everything back into a box and explain it away um, with our different hypotheses. But this is just how Kyle came. And um, that's the reality of um, this space for LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. Um, point number three is titled, This Must Be Very Difficult. Yes. And it was very difficult. Like, as I mentioned before, it was kind of a lonely journey. Um, you know, a lot of my ability to learn and grow was um, through podcasts, through reading books um, and researching. And it was a real breakthrough for me when um, I was able to connect to a university that was doing a study on microaggress LDS microaggressions on gay topics and did an interview with one of the students. So they interviewed myself and they interviewed Kyle independently. And it was the first opportunity that besides being able to go on walks with a friend and just really talk through things in a safe place to um, just talk, it was the first time I was really able just to really lay it out on what we had experienced, some of those microaggressions that you know we hadn't mentioned before, um, you know, having people, you know, say, you know, your, your child needs to change. He needs to stop choosing this. He's going to live a miserable life if, and it's going to be horrible for him for the rest of eternity. And, and just talk through all those things. And um, the interviewers, she just simply said, that must've been really difficult. And it was just like this major, just 
two years of anxiety and just hurt, just wash off my shoulders. Like somebody understood that this was hard and that we're going through a lot as a family and it was beautiful and it was incredibly healing just to have that um, validation of what we were going through as a family. Well, that's just a golden nugget, Ashley. Um, I think of golden nuggets listeners. Um, we all are capable of doing what that researcher interviewer did. That must've been really difficult. And that's really simple. <laughs> And that came out of after listening and having the skills as an interviewer to listen, to listen and ask open-ended questions. But that's something we all can do as friends, as local leaders, as family members, is being willing to listen and not shift the conversation to our story or the family relative we know that's LGBTQ and kind of pivot, but to stay focused on Ashley and continue to ask follow-up questions. And that creates a feeling for someone like Ashley that you're really with me. You're like, we're not going to pivot on me. You're not going to minimize your experience. You're going to continue to ask open-ended questions, maybe even take notes um, as you're listening to my story and just keep the conversation focused on how you're feeling. And in that process, then when you say that must have been really difficult, it's not just in the first one minute of the conversation that seems sort of trite. It comes at a point in the conversation where you feel heard and so that kind of a comment feels incredibly validating. Um, I love that. Um, and I, <laughs> I just want to say this, and this, and then we've talked a lot about maybe some of the microaggressions that we experienced, but I mean, part of that process too was, um, you know, my dreams and ambitions for this child. Um, they're different than my, what I was expecting. And so there's a little bit of a mourning process of going through that and, and changing those expectations like Kyle is no longer active in the church. It's it for him. There's a, there, for him, there's definitely some PTSD and some, and some trauma associated with it. Um, and so he, he's not going to be going on a mission and <laughs> just that hope that he will still recognize the light of Christ in him and the power of God in his life is that's where I am with him now. And, and that's a mourning period too. And, and that, that's been, that's been hard. And I think, you know, and, and whether you have a child that's scared or not, I think there's many, many, many parents out there who are going through the same, that same thing and going through that ability to think, you know what, it's okay. God's in control. Um, there's a bigger picture out here and he's still to me in the temple and, and things are going to work out one way or another. God has a plan and to stick to that and know that Kyle is my child. My job is to be his mother and for us to be a loving family and that he will always have a place here in our home. And that's kind of the journey that we've been through. I love that you talk about not only the PTSD and trauma that he has felt and feeling, but your own sort of mourning. I'm thinking when this little kid was born and he was baptized at eight and your hopes and dreams um, when he became a deacon at 12 and the reality of where he is now that he's not participating in the churches for moms and dads can be painful. And they sometimes look inward and think, this is my fault. I didn't do something right. And and sometimes culturally, we even create a feeling that we can create these perfect outcomes in our kids 
if we just do everything we're supposed to do as LDS parents. But the reality is we have kids that um, that's part of our doctrine as agency. They're going to make their own choices. Talk more to other parents that are mourning adult kids or teenage kids that aren't active in the church. And just you're kind of on this road, Ashley. What would you say to them just to give them hope and and help them under, and maybe what their goal should be at, as parents at this point? Um, I think a part of it for me is that differentiation of separating what Kyle, where Kyle is in his life is not a reflection on my faithfulness in the church or my ability as, of being a good parent. We're two completely separate, independent people and respecting that. And also... I guess <laughs> just, I think God has also blessed me with some spiritual experiences to help me have a glimpse into the turmoil that's going on inside of Kyle and understand that right now being active in church could be causing more harm than help for him. And so right now is not going to church is not a good space for him. Um, he feels the majesty of life, and I hope still the majesty of God's glory in being in nature. And right now he's in Skagway, Alaska as a tour guide, and he is on backpacking trips, and he is seeing some of God's greatest glories and creations. And so I celebrate the opportunity that God is having to speak to him on his level that for Kyle, that, that he'll be able to hear those things from him. <laughs> um, Kyle has ambitions to travel the world and to see the world and um, his patriarchal blessing talks about traveling the world and so when he talks about wanting to go and go travel and be a part of a global community, I think in my heart, that's God speaking to you. And that's still part of your mission here on earth. And his ability to feel God's love and his chances of coming back to church are best when we love him fully and he is accepted in our home and um, that he's loved unconditionally here because that's that's the best case scenario for him to be able to come back. And so that's, um, that's my personal journey. I don't know if that helps, is helpful for others, but that's kind of where we, we've landed. I love that. And I love, I wrote down this majesty of life phrase you just used, Ashley. That's a beautiful phrase for a parent to want their child to find the majesty of life and recognizing, given where Kyle is and the, the difficulty at times of church culture for LGBTQ Latter-day Saints, um, that you've recognized that he's got to be in a spot to heal a little bit. He's got to be in a spot to have some space and, and um, you're giving him that space and letting him grow and 
And I love that he's in Alaska. We're recording this, listeners, in the middle of June. I assume it's like 24 hours of daylight for your yeah. son in Alaska right now. And he's loving life. And um, um I, and just just maybe another just good. kind of nugget. Um, when Kyle talked to us about how, you know, he knew when he was 11 that things were different for him and just kind of, it was kind of a years of journey for him coming to grips of this is what it is. This is, you know, a part of me. And that was all secret. He kept that secret for five years. And at that time, 11 years old, he was still in primary at that time when we say, you're a child of God, God loves you. But maybe in that same Sunday, he'd come home and feel like, um, I'm going to hell <laughs> because we just had a lesson on Sodom and Gomorrah. Um, those conflicts probably did not help him develop a really good foundation or testimony in the gospel and probably did not help him have the strength that he would need to get through some of these um, hardships of being gay and LDS and how does it all fit together? Um, and I don't know if other parents feel that way, but I, that was just kind of something that I just kind of thought about, you know, he comes home from church. Well, I was told I was going to burn in hell again today. And, and so, and they didn't know, they didn't know what he was going through inside. And I just thought if we as leaders and primary teachers and youth leaders, if Maybe we just stop and think about the things we say in church and how we say them, because there's really good chances that there are kiddos who are keeping these feelings hidden inside. And the things that we say, they are soaking it in and they're soaking it in sometimes in ways that aren't so good and that are really bring us to depression or don't help them find themselves as children of God and or be able to develop that relationship with Jesus Christ that they need to. But if we just shift it a little bit and recognize that the things that we say matter, maybe we can help those kids have the testimony they need so they can be at peace with their identity and feel comfortable and safe and being active in the church. I love that segment. And, you know, I just, in my experience in the church, when we talk about LGBTQ people, probably eight out of 10 things we say are not positive. Um, that would be my anecdotal number. And, um, and I think most Latter-day Saints, we're back to word association. If I say LGBTQ, they think of a different group of people on a different road that kind of pose a threat to our church or family. But I think if we can shift and everybody just think of Kyle Smith or that 11-year-old primary kid, kiddo, I like your term kiddo, um, and just think, okay, there are kiddos in young men's, young women's primary that are realizing this is who they are, and they need to be flooded with messages. And you can use, just like in your article, church leader quotes, if you want to do this, you don't have to make stuff up. Um, there are good church leader quotes, and you can use those in young men's, young women's. When you teach a lesson in the proclamation to family, you can also talk about and use that as a chance to talk about LGBTQ Latter-day Saints and the reality of their lives and how should we treat those people. So there's lots of lessons. Even the lesson on Sodom and Gomorrah 
instead of just using that the way maybe it's traditionally used. You can take the facts about Sodom and Gomorrah, what we know, and, and maybe not speculate on what we don't know, but just talk pivot in a way, and I've seen leaders do this, as a way to open the discussion about LGBTQ Latter-day Saints and, and just some of those things. Because I think, you know, we need to look at it the way you're looking at it so that, you know, the Kyles that are attending congregation right now are being flooded with really good messages about them because it helps them to feel better about themselves. So that was a really good practical segment. And I think that's a great discussion in ward council and presidency meeting of young women's is okay. Let's go on the assumption there are closeted LGBTQ people. What should we be saying so that they know that I'm a safe person or this is a safe, even if they're not prepared to come out, the messages they're hearing just can help them feel better about themselves um, so that they'll just feel better. about. That's a good thing to give somebody is hope and healing. Anything more on that segment? Um, and probably just that, like you said, that the focus is on these, these kiddos or people, human beings, and being more mindful of the things we say. That doesn't, and I say this in the article, it doesn't mean we're marching in a pride parade. It doesn't mean we're committing to putting, you know, rainbow stickers in our windows. It just means we're being thoughtful, we're being kind, we're being loving, we're being inclusive, and we're making sure that everybody has a place to worship in our, in our four walls of church, that they can feel comfortable and safe there. Um. Here's a question that I hope isn't triggering, but I think it's a question you may have gotten or, and others may get that I think you can handle the answer to. What, what would you say if I was your leader, your friend, say, Ashley, you're going to lose your family. You're being too supportive of Kyle. You've got to, you know, if he's not going to participate in the church, you've got to continue to send him conference talks and continue to remind him of our doctrine. And, you know, otherwise you're going to lose your eternal family. And you're not going to be together. And, you know, you've got to stand up for truth here, Ashley. You're being a little too supportive of Kyle not participating in the church right now. And um, that's the kind of question. Are you okay taking on that question? Well, yeah, because I have had that. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I say that there's been some pressure, like maybe we need to push Kyle out of our lives because that's dangerous. Yeah, cut him off until he comes um, back. And I guess the answer would be twofold. Um, one, maybe it's the elected official in me. I've grown a lot of really thick skin. <laughs> um, During COVID, being an elected official, <laughs> my dear. Um, that my faith is, my belief is in Jesus Christ. I know the spiritual experiences he's given me. I know what I have read and, ex and accepted from the living prophets on the church's website and other research. And, and I know this is right for me and my family, and that's all I need. I don't need the validation from other people. And, and as much as I say and ask let us try and understand, you know, people like, people like Kyle 
I have to offer that exact same grace to those who are saying those things that they're on their own journey. They, we've had a long history of church culture that has created these need for people to feel, to say those things and that they need grace as they learn and work through those things too. And may feel, feel these are dangerous feelings when we have these for them, when we have these conversations. And I would have to say that Kyle is probably the best example of this because I would say, no, Kyle, I'm so sorry. You know, that when you first came out and remember when I said, you know, Hey, you know what, Kyle, maybe someday, you know, you'll still get married to a girl and you'll have a beautiful relationship and it's all going to be good. And he's like, Ooh, uh, no mom. And he'll be like, you know, mom, that's okay. That's what you were kind of brought up to think that way. And, um, but you're learning. And so that grace and not judging and loving, it goes both ways. I love that. And listeners, I think we just, I mean, if we've, if we've got LDS parents in our wards, who have got an LGBTQ kid who's not participating in the church and even entering a same-sex marriage, my general feeling is let's just talk to the parents about that kid, still be interested. What are they doing? Where are they? What are they working? Um, are they going to school? Keep the conversation going about that kid. Um, sometimes we don't know what to say, so it's like that kid died and we don't even, not literally, but we sometimes don't even ask LDS families about their kid that's not active in church, whether they're straight or not. And I think it's important to keep asking about those kids because lots of those kids are doing remarkable things. And there's parents that still want to talk about those kids. And and if you've got a kid that's going into a same-sex marriage in a same-sex marriage, let's let's don't pull back from that family. I think that family, if they sense the ward kind of pulling back, you know, I think they just need to feel our love and support. Parents have special stewardship to raise their kids and they need a ward family that's supporting them and not kind of looking over their shoulder. You've got a thicker skin as a politician through COVID, but it's hard sometimes for LDS families because they feel the pressure of, uh, you know, am I supporting my kid too much? And now my ward's pulling away. And I really actually need my ward family to have my back right now. It's a tough time. Um, So if I'm going to support this kid and honor his agency, I really need my ward to kind of put their arms around me with no judgment and just love and say, we'll walk with you. We support you. You take the lead here. And we'll walk with you. Any thoughts on any of that before we go on to number four? Um, no, you said it perfectly. Okay. And um, after this article, it's been amazing how many people have come out <laughs> and have said, you know, I have these family members that are gay, I have these family members that are in a relationship, and we just love them so much. Our place is to love and not to judge. And, and, that's exactly it. And to walk with them and still be there for them. What a beautiful thing. That's what this church really is about. So thank you. Um, number four, you're safe with me. Um, I think we've talked about this this entire time pretty much. <laughs> is that it's important just to be able to be able to have these honest, raw conversations and that it's going to be okay. That it's not going to change how we feel about you. Um, I'll read... Um, 
the quote um, from Elder Quentin L. Cook, and he said, as a church, nobody should be more loving and compassionate. Let us be at the forefront in terms of expressing love, compassion, and outreach. Let's not, let's not have families exclude or be disrespectful of those who choose a different lifestyle as a result of their feelings about their own gender. And there it is. It's pretty simple. Um, and that could be a quote that could start a whole discussion in Elders Corner Relief Society or Ward Council. That's a great one. Um, number five, I'm sorry for being hurtful. We've kind of talked about that, but go ahead on this one. And I think, yeah, there were definitely some apologies that were in order. Um, definitely some things that had been said in our family circle that were not accurate or true or helpful or loving. And, and we needed to say sorry to Kyle. And it wasn't just a one and done. It was kind of a process as, uh, as we went through learning it. And there was some counseling that needed that Kyle needed um, definitely went through some dark places and it wasn't always pretty. It was, we did definitely have some messy and stressful times, but our effort counted a lot in Kyle's book and that we were trying. Um, <laughs> and I appreciate that, that he was able to forgive and that we're still able to have a really good relationship and learn and grow. And, and hearing the stories, like I said earlier, hearing and understanding through other people helped me kind of get into Kyle's shoes a little bit and understand what he's going through and having that empathy. Um, I love that it's not just a one and done. And I love that you want to keep the conversation going. I've heard some stories where um, a kid will come out and they kind of want to keep talking about it. And sometimes mom or dad don't want to talk about it or know how to talk about it. So I love, and it, and even if, um, there's been difficult things like you talk about it. You just keep the conversation going and um, create a feeling that, you know, kids can continue to talk to their parents about what they're experiencing. And um, even if it's uncomfortable for us as parents, but I think we need to do some of the things you've done is just get educated and learn vocabulary and learn how to talk about this space. Um, number six, can you have patience with me? I love that one, Ashley. Uh, yeah, that one is, you know, for so many of those who've, who've come out, it, they probably were going through that process for a really long time as they came to terms with their sexual orientation. And just that ask of having patience with us as newbies to this um, conversation or concepts that it's, it's, it's taken me a while to get through it too. Like even just this article that I wrote, I mean, this was a two-year process of working through things and understanding and revising and cutting out a lot of cynicism and hurt and rephrasing it into positive ways of what we can do and that this isn't a funeral when your kid comes out um, and that good can come from this and it's a beautiful thing. And, and it takes time. It takes time to figure that out and that's okay. And that, and that comes from both sides. Um, we needed to have patience with Kyle. Kyle needed to have patience, a lot of patience with us. I love that. And I love some of the things you share here. I was heartbroken to learn that at times Kyle was unable even just park outside a church building with neutral intentions to play basketball without being triggered with trauma. How much dif different would Kyle's overall sense of peace 
BFR prior years of LGBTQ conversations on focus on LGBTQ's um, people's ability to both gay and have a happy and healthy life, even within the church, if they choose that path they're able to do. So, and then you quote Elder Clayton. Do you want to read that quote? I love this quote from Elder Clayton. I can't remember if you've already quoted it, though. I'm getting old and can't remember everything everybody says. So I will. (laughs) Says, I now speak directly to church members who experience same-sex attraction or identify as gay, lesbian, or bisexual. We want you to be part of our congregations. You have great talents and abilities to offer God's kingdom on earth. And we recognize the many valuable contributions you make. If any of you are unclear about where the church stands on these issues, we invite you to please take the time to view the material published at churchofjesuschrist.org. And I I have to give another shout out to my stake president. Um, When I had my very first conversation with him, one of the first things he said is, I want you to know that Kyle can be happy. Kyle can live a good, happy, fruitful, wonderful life and be gay at the same time. And we have many members in our stake that are identify the same sex attraction that are living awesome lives. I can't tell you who they are, but they are. And there's two parts of my feelings from that. Number one, awesome to know that there are people who can live happy, good lives and be active in the church and still have same-sex attraction. That gives me hope. But then that they felt like that couldn't be open for them, that stake president couldn't say who they were, that that was still secret for them and for the church membership in our stake, that they were gay and active. And that it wasn't safe to be able to say that also broke my heart. And as part of that realization that we still have some work to do. And how wonderful it would have been for my son to have the ability to see that growing up. That would have been great. Been great. Talk more about your stake president. You have you obviously have, have are had and having a Good experience your stake president. Any more tips on what he's done? Because there may be bishops or stake presidents listening that say, I want to be like Ashley Smith's stake president. Any more things that he's done or other church leaders that have been helpful? Um, I think just for him that that he was hopeful and that most of it is that he did his homework. What does that mean? And he he was familiar with what the church's current teachings are about LGBTQ issues. And he's read books and he's explored the issue and figured it out so that when people like me give him a call and say, Hey, stake president, you know, I just want you to know that my son's gay. We're figuring things out. Um, He had the answers and he had the right answers that helped me know that he was a safe person to talk to. He got it and he had some resources. I love that. And um, there's a really simple formula there, but it takes a little effort. And I love that he was prepared before Kyle came and you came to him. And And I would say if, if I were a local leader and not prepared, I think it's better to just say, 
I'm Sister Smith. Uh, this is an area I don't know, and I'm not sure I understand the latest stuff the church is teaching. So before I just sort of give you a bunch of advice, because that's my job as a local leader, and I'm supposed to have an answer to everything, I'm actually going to not give you any advice right now and do some homework and read what the church is saying and read some books, listen to some podcasts so that I can be fully informed so that I can bring my mantle with my calling plus learning the things like your stake president does. So I love that your stake president was there, but I, I think it's also a formula that if we're not there to acknowledge we're not there um, and you could still be a really good local leader and say, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's really good advice. And I'll say, you know, that I, unfortunately, you know, some of our local leaders do offer some advice that isn't super terrifical <laughs> when saying, hey, I need you to know my son's gay. You know, I just thought you need, you know, that'd be important for you to know that. And for me, it's just part of it is just uh, when, and, I, and my, my bishop is still my bishop. And just, I love him and recognize that he, he's doing the best he can. And it's not always going to be perfect advice, but hope that we're all, recognize we're on this journey of learning. So. And sometimes listeners, I would, um, you know, there's, in, there's sort of two priesthood leaders, at least in the priesthood chain for members of a ward or stake, the bishop and the stake president at times. When I served as a YSA bishop, I, there were some times where I kind of turned over situations to the stake president just because the stake president had more understanding in a certain area than I did. And we counseled together in this situation, and there were times I kept things at the bishop level. But I think that's the principle of counseling together is, you know, and maybe parents do the same thing. I think it's okay to find the people in your priesthood line of authority if it's a priesthood issue that can kind of be helpful to you and recognize others can't. And, and that's just, and that's maybe okay. And, and maybe the ones that sort of need to do work can do work and kind of get there, but maybe that's just not going to be their deal. <laughs> so um, two things. So I thought that was a good segment, Ashley. Talk about, I think I read in here when Kyle came out, he went to church and talk about, um, I think there's an example of a really good thing that happened at church. Yeah, so Kyle came out, it was the first Sunday after he, I mean, that he came out publicly, and he was not excited about coming to church. We were all He's 16, super nervous. so he's out at 16. Yeah, at 16, we we're all super nervous about what this would mean, because I mean, we already kind of knew how some of our congregation felt about this issue. Um. And we were all on edge. And the second this closing prayer was said in sacrament meeting, his Sunday school teacher made a beeline for Kyle and just gave him the biggest hug. Like, I, you, I love you. You are my person and I'm going to take care of you. And it was beautiful and so appreciated. Like, deep breath, it's going to be okay over here. And it was, and to this day, you know, she's going to be my hero. Well, that put tears in my eyes. Just the courage that Kyle had to come out and you're hopefully wondering how that's going to play out at church and to have that Sunday school teacher just make a beeline for your son. 
I bet you and Kyle and your whole family remember the name of that Sunday school teacher for the rest of your life. Forever. You know, as a mama bear, you know, things like that really matter a lot. So there's a principle there, listeners, that we just, you know, this is when people are vulnerable and they've had a, one of my listeners coined the term vulnerability hangovers when like Kyle's out and he maybe came out on social media and then he's coming to church and people know, and um, it's sort of a vulnerability hangover. Now I've sort of put myself out there. My heart's out of my chest. It's on a platter. It's just what everybody can do to it. I can't protect it anymore. And, and to have a Sunday school teacher make a beeline in, um, for Kyle, to me, that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's bear, mourn, and comfort in our most vulnerable, difficult moments and not pull back. I love that. I love also Elder Whitney Clayton's comment because there's a principle he teaches here that you just read. I speak directly to church members who experience same-sex attraction, identify gay, lesbian, bisexual. And that's probably the thing I'd love to see the change in the most in the church, it's not a doctrinal change. Is most of the time when we talk about this issue, we don't talk about our own people. We talk it in a legal context as laws we're working with our LGBTQ friends on equality and education. I think that's good. But rarely do we do what Elder Clayton did here is talk directly to LGBTQ members as members of our own community. And that's one of the things I'd invite listeners to do is when we hear LGBTQ, think of that 11-year-old primary kid. Think of that 16-year-old kid that's coming out. Think of that person who's going to be closeted their whole life, um, like I think you've inferred it's happening in your stake, or maybe just out to a few people that are hearing everything, and maybe on Friday and Saturday have anxiety as they're preparing for church what they might hear. But I think as we reprogram our brains, um, just like Elder Whitney Clayton did in this statement, that helps us better minister. Now, I've lost track of my points here because I thought I was on six, but now I don't see any more. So I we covered them. I we covered them. I got the wrong order. Yeah. Talk about um, if you could press a button and make Kyle straight, would you? Or are you glad you have a gay son? Or do you want to talk about that? About, you know, now that you've been in this space for a while, how you feel about this space? I am super, super grateful that my son is gay. It has changed my life. Um, and as parents, we can't push any buttons and change how our kids are. That's just <laughs> on so many levels. But um, it has completely changed my life and for the better. And because it's because of what we have been subject to as being marginalized by others has opened my eyes to what that feels like and better understand where so many different segments of our church population, where they're kind of sitting and ruminating, whether they're childless or divorced or unmarried or no, you know, you go through the list, almost everybody has something. And now I know what that feels like. And it's not, now you go to church and in the beginning it was just like, oh, oh, somebody, you know, that hurts. Oh, that hurts, you know, and just realizing we need to be a little more careful with our preconceived notions. And also maybe, 
differentiate what is church doctrine and what is church culture. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's put me in a really tender place, a really humble place, um, and a place where I've just had to be on my knees with God and, and God speaking to me. And, and it's a good thing. And, it, and it's a hard thing. And sometimes it's a really lonely place. But it's a place that we need to be because in these latter days, I used to think it was going to be about holding steadfast to all these ways that we were, that I thought were perfection and integrity. And I hope I can say this the right way. To stand up for truth and righteousness meant this, 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 and this. And now I'm realizing that maybe it has a lot more to do with softening my heart and opening my arms and understanding my fellow men and loving them and that there's a place in our church for everybody and making sure that they feel that they're welcome in that place and that God's love is there for us. And... And I'm still working through it, but so now I, yeah, number one, I can't change that and, and I won't cause he's beautiful. That's he's an amazing kid. I mean, yeah, he's not perfect. And <laughs> like, you know, there's a lot of things that, you know, he has still some things to, to work through in his life, but man, he's an awesome kid. And, and maybe God blessed him with being gay and having all these incredible talents that just come naturally to him because it shows the dynamic people that they are. It's, um, wasn't, you know, in the the old days it was, you know, the promiscuous, the rebellious, they're all these things, but no, they're just regular, normal human, amazing human beings. And he's helped me to get to that place. This is a great podcast, um, listeners. You have a gift of language, Ashley. Um, I can tell why you're an English major. I don't know which came first, but I write these phrases down, softening our hearts. Um, To me, that's so needed right now in our world is softening our hearts. And there's so much divisiveness. The other thing I wrote down is I just listened to your story. This is a beautiful family love story. This is a different story than you thought your husband and you would write when you got married in the temple and sort of thought about your family. And um, But I think it's a beautiful family love story. And, you know, listeners, we talked before, and I think you've gathered this, that Kyle loves his family, is close with his family, and you've preserved the family relationship. It's just a phrase others have taught me in this space is that's what, if possible, and I realize that may not always be possible. It's the agency of some kids that don't want to preserve their family relationship. But I love that, you know, just like your family, our family isn't perfect, but there is love. And Kyle, I sense, feels welcome and needed and belonging and a full member of the family. And it's a beautiful family love story and preserving the family relationship. I love the quote that you used. Um, we didn't get to it, but 
Um, I wrote my second book, Improving Latter-day Saint Culture, based on this very same quote by Sister McConkie. Um, the gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't marginalize people. People marginalize people. We need to fix that. Um, so I love that that's a part of your article. And it's just an inward, you know, call to all of us to say, what can we do um, to improve our culture so everybody can heal, feel the healing and the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ? So I love that. Um, but this is a beautiful family love story. More, Any more thoughts that come to your mind in conclusion you'd like to share, Ashley? No, just thank you for the opportunity to share my story. Um, and, and I hope that it is helpful. I mean, it, it, it's been raw. It's been a really raw two years. And, um, and the ultimate goal is that something beautiful and productive will come out of that. And thank you for all the work that you're doing to help that happen for people all, all over the world in our, in our faith. Well, thank you, Ashley. Thanks for your work. I was, as a side note, I was thinking how many times we've had a mayor on the podcast and we've had a few, we had, um, Episode 139, Kayleen Potter, when she was mayor of Heber City. He's got a couple of two LGBTQ kids. And we had Mayor John Pike when he was serving as mayor of St. George, Utah, and what he was doing to um, in his community. He wanted to be the mayor of everybody, including LGBTQ uh, members of his community and what they were doing. Um, we had Brett Hales, who at the time was the city councilman on episode 130. Now is the mayor of my hometown, Murray, Utah, and you're the fourth mayor that's been on what the podcast. Do you know? no. so, what do you know? Feel pretty honored. Um, but thanks for your work in our community, and thanks. And um, this is a raw space, and I think um, that came out in your article. But I love you using the word raw. So if you're a parent in this space, maybe Ashley gives you feelings that yeah, she gets this space, and it's raw and it's difficult. Um, but there's hope and healing. Kyle, I don't know if you listen to these podcasts. I don't know if they'll ever come your way, but you're a remarkable young man. I don't know you, but you're one of my heroes for navigating this space, for having the courage to come out at 16, for all the things you accomplished in high school. It's a reflection on you and the good man that you are and your family support. Um, your gifts in soccer and photography, and it sounds like you're thriving in Alaska. Um, I saw, this isn't my line, but I saw um, in a Facebook group that I help manage, we'll link to it, it's Ministering to LGBTQ Latter-day Saints. It's a Facebook group. If you just want to be connected with other active Latter-day Saints that are trying to better minister to local at the local level, we have a Facebook group. But one of the group members talked about using the word Saturday's Warrior, that great song, Who Are These Children Coming Down? And that person made the point that our LGBTQ are some of Saturday's warriors that are coming at the last day that are some of Heavenly Father's finest children, and they are helping us to create Zion, but they walk a very complicated mm -hmm. road that's full of pain and trauma. But I love the grace that Kyle's given to you that he mentioned. He says, Mom, I understand, and I know you're doing the best, and so I don't know if you'll listen to this, Kyle, but I, you have a great life ahead of you. And take God with you. He loves you, and he's created you the way I believe you were intended to be created. 
And I hope you can feel that through nature, through relationship with God. And maybe that's me talking to others of you that are LGBTQ. Um, any other thoughts that have come to mind? Is that okay? I talked to your son. I love it. No, thank you. It was beautiful. And I'm, and I'm right there with you with these Saturdays warriors that it's, it seems like some of the most incredible people in our, in our faith are identifying as gay. And, and I think that is their, their message, their journey is helping us turn our hearts to these children and, and understand them in better ways. And it's a tough one, but man, it's, it's amazing. And it'll be interesting to see as, as we evolve that there'll be more love for these kids in our church and that they, they will find, they will always feel that there's this place for them to worship. It's great. Thank you. So, well, thank you. Thank you, Ashley Smith and um, your good family. And thank you, our listeners. And, and maybe our joint invitation is this last phrase that Ashley used, turn our hearts um, and think what we can do in our local area of influence as we turn our hearts to LGBTQ Latter-day Saints, what we can do better support them. And so this is Ashley Smith and Richard Osler signing off and we'll link two things in the show notes ashley's article on lds living and also that face group book group i talked about um, and this is both of us signing off from another episode of listen learn and love